0: Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, don't fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, we're thankful for these encouraging words. And we pray as always for insight and understanding into what they mean for us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. That music was rocking today. Everybody having a good Advent season so far, I hope? <laughs> yes, we should clap for that. Great to see all of our Zoomers here today. You know we're in the midst of Advent. This is... Uh, Part two of our Advent series. If you go back to adventhope.org, you'll find Michelle's message from last week. She got us uh, started on the theme of Advent. You know, Advent is is that time when we get very particular, talking about uh, how heaven and earth came together. You know, the first Advent, we have heaven and earth coming together in that Jesus, the great God of the universe, becomes a human. And so, during this Advent season, we're reflecting on what the implications of that are of heaven and earth coming together, and we're also looking forward to the second Advent, that time, again, when all things are fulfilled. The first Advent, heaven and earth came together, but it's not a, a complete coming together. There's still restoration to be made, and so during this Advent season, we take time to just reflect in a very particular way what the implications are of Jesus becoming uh, human, And of course, we're looking forward to, to the day of Christmas when we can recognize that uh, Jesus came as a, a little one. And so our text of emphasis today is a text of the Advent, it's of Isaiah, found in Isaiah 35. Now, Isaiah uh, was a prophet, one of the great prophets of ancient Israel. He uh, wrote some almost 700 years before Jesus showed up, and so he was anticipating and looking forward to what was to come, to heaven and earth being uh, unified and coming together. And so as I was reading uh, Isaiah and other passages related to uh, Advent, I was just reminded about how much hope there is when you talk about uh, the Advent season. Really, the Bible is just full of hopeful promises. You read the the the, the prophets like Isaiah and, uh, you know, they have a lot of negative things to say about what's currently happening in their time. Uh, things were dreary and, and dark, but there's always hope that something is, is going to happen, that God is going to uh, do something. And so, as we think about it, I mean, the Advent season is really rooted in this idea of hope, which is our specific theme today. So we're talking about Advent, but you can't talk about Advent without wrestling with the implications of hope, hope. You know, we hear about hope, we think we, we, we uh, hear the word hope a lot, but let's explore a little bit about how we get hope from the Advent season. Now, in the New Testament, there's several words that are translated as hope. The most predominant one, though, When the ancient Greeks used it before the New Testament was written, uh, they used it not just as hope, in fact, the better translation would be expectation, okay, expectation, because the ancient Greeks uh, used the word that is prominently translated as hope Uh, in the New Testament. They used it to describe things both negative and positive that would happen in the uh, future. So again, expectation is probably actually a better translation, like you would expect that you know, something is going to happen. There, you, you could expect good things to happen, but you might also expect bad things to happen. You know, if the, uh, if the volcano is rumbling, uh, you would have an expectation that at some point it's going uh, to explode. So they would use this, this word that Christians then adapted uh, to, to mean hope. So Christians really actually revolutionized the idea of, uh, uh, of hope, the idea that it was always positive and it was always wor- rooted in God's work. And so uh, as, as Christians, the kind of the mandate is to have hope as, as followers of Jesus, that Jesus gives us hope. And so we are to live as people of hope. Now, back in 1956, when, uh, when the, the German congregation uh, that started this uh, group meeting together, they decided they were going to name their community uh, Church of the Advent Hope. It's written out there In German, if you go on the front of the building. And so, uh, hope is such an essential part of what it means to be a Christian, especially if you're a Christian who identifies with the Advent like we do with the Seventh day Advent. We love the Advent. Seventh day Adventist, this is Church of the Advent hope. We're into the Advent, and the Advent season is inherently designed to be a season of hope. And so this is a hopeful uh, time. Uh, let's, let's look at, at Jeremiah in particular, because Jeremiah, again, is a passage of hope. It's a passage of the a- advent. In Isaiah chapter 35, verses 3 f- through 4, it says this, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. In other words, you know, if you're nervous, if you're fe- feeling a lot of anxiety about things, uh, your feeble hands can, should be strengthened. Your, your knees that are a little weak, they can be strengthened. Your feel for heart that can be strengthened because we are to be strong and not fear, for God will come and He will bring vengeance with divine retribution. Now, those are some scary terms—vengeance and divine retribution. But uh, I would assert that, and and certainly Isaiah is presenting this as a good thing. In the context of this, if the world is out of control and injustice is reigning, what do you want? You want vengeance. You want someone to come and fix that. So Isaiah is saying, hey, uh, when God does what he's going to do, he's going to bring vengeance and he's going to bring retribution and he's going to make things right. No more in- inequity. No more inequality. No more in- injustice. God is going to make things right and he's going to do this with vengeance, with passion. He's going to take care of the-, the wrongs in the world. And so the hope, the Advent hope, I- I- is that injustice will be no more. Things are going to be there's no, no more inequality or an inequity. When God does what he's going to do, uh, things are going to get taken care of. The Messiah will bring a justice. Isaiah goes on in verse 5 and 6. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute a tongue shout for joy. And so here Isaiah is again, the Messiah, the the promise of the Advent is a promise of hope that there's going to be healing. Those who have physically had uh, things happen to them where they are not able to do what what, uh, humans were designed to do, that's going to be fixed. And so the Messiah is going to bring healing. The Advent is going to bring uh, healing. But but even further, not just on an individual level, healing is going to happen to the planet. Listen to verse 6 and 7 of Isaiah 35. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Our broken world that is so messed up that we have not been good stewards of, when the the advent takes place, the hope is that all things are going to be made new and even the planet is going to experience uh, healing. And then finally, uh, 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 violence is, is going to be done away with. Isaiah 35, verses 8 through 10. And a highway will be there. A highway. When the, when the Advent comes, when the Messiah comes, and so all of this is hopeful. There's going to be a highway. If you were traveling in the 8th century B.C., uh, in the time when Isaiah was writing, to travel a long distance could be a scary thing. There are animals, there are are robbers, there are things that could happen to you, and so the idea of a safe highway is intriguing. There's going to be a highway. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be those, for those who walk in that way, no lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. So again, Isaiah is talking about a time where there's hope. There's no more violence. There's no more danger. You don't have to worry about going on a trip to see a family member and a lion showing up. So all of this is designed to bring hope. Hope. Hope that someday things are going to be different. When the Advent comes, things are going to be uh, different. And So this Advent season, as we think of passages like Isaiah, we think of all of the other hopeful passages in the Bible, it's designed to, to, to bring hope in our experience. People of hope. And so it's designed to be encouraging. The Advent is encouraging. We look to the future. We look to, for hopefulness. But the reality is this can be incredibly challenging. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to hear promises of things to come. But when you're in the mix and things don't feel like they're very hopeful, and, you know, our world is so broken right now, It's discouraging. So even though we have promises that things are going to get better, that things were better when Jesus came, that Advent happened the first time, and promises that things are going to get better in the future, right now things can seem a dark and dreary. Whether you're thinking about, like, the state of the world, I mean, if you're aware of anything happening in the world, it's pretty hard to not be a little depressed about what's going on, or maybe it's the state of your own experience, you know, you had hopes and dreams, and things that you anticipated, you had promises that you felt like you made to yourself or people made to you and they're just not coming uh, to fruition, it's hard to keep up with hope when things are not coming to pass. And so this is a time of uh, hope, it's designed to be a time of hope, this Advent season where we look forward to the future, but for many of us, it's actually a time that can be rather depressing because the promises aren't being met. So what is it that squashes our hope? What, why, 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 do we, why, do we, why do we not have the hope that we're supposed to have as Advent Christians in the season that is designed to bring us hope and encouragement? Well, as always, there's a bunch of responses to, the, to this question, but I've got three for you. You know, I love to always bring you free responses. So the first one is this, when there is overwhelming evidence that contradicts our expectations, that can squash our hopes. So we have hopes and, 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 and dreams about how things are going to be, but when we are on the ground and things don't look like they're ever going to get to the place that we want them to be, that can be incredibly detrimental to us actually experiencing the hope that God is wanting us to have. And so, when the on-the-ground the on the experience contradicts what we're anticipating, uh, that can have be a huge detriment to our, to our hope. Uh, secondly, when there's a delay, when we have expectations about how things are going, but then it takes much longer than we anticipate, again, it's, going to, it's the, the potential for that to squash your hope. When you're looking forward to something and it just never happens over and over again, you, you maybe made promises to yourself or promises were made to you and then they never seem to come to fruition, that can be uh, challenging. And so even though you're, 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 you're reminded of that you're supposed to be hopeful when things just take indefinitely long, uh, that can be brutal. Waiting indefinitely. When is this going to, to happen? And so uh, delay squashes our ability to have hope. So on the ground experiences not what we anticipated to, promises aren't being met and so there are de- delays. These all squash our hope. And then the realization that we ourselves cannot meet our own expectations, right? So you, maybe you've made promises to yourself. You said, you know, at this, I, you, know, you get out of school or whatever, wherever you were in the past experience and you have an imagination for yourself about where you're gonna be. You know, how much you're gonna have in your bank account, uh, what kind of person is going to be your, uh, your mate or what, what kind of friends you're going to have or what place you're going to live in or what city you're going to live in, and you have these expectations uh, for yourself, but then you come to the realization that you can't meet your own expectations. That squashes hope. Okay, you know, when, when, when you're idealistic and in the early days you might think, well, I can do anything. You know, if I just put my mind to it, I can do anything, I can be anybody that I wanna be. And, but then you hit the, the reality, and that, that's maybe not true. Your circumstances make a, a difference. Maybe your skills make a difference. Maybe you don't have what you wish that you had or you thought you had, and you're never able to succeed to be the kind of person that you wanna be. This squashes hope. And so, in this season where we're told to be hopeful, and we got pretty flowers out and we've got trees and everybody's happy, it's also a season of despair because we look at our circumstances, we look at our world, we look at where we are, and it can be hard to remain hopeful, especially when we've made promises to ourselves that we just can't keep. And so it leaves us with the existential question, well, what do we do? What hope is there for hope in our experience? I mean, what hope is there when we're not able to keep up with the own promises and our own expectations that we make to ourselves? That can be the most challenging to hope. How do we avoid our hope being squashed? Well, as always, we have to look back uh, to Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus was uh, familiar with uh, hopes being squashed, and his followers having a crisis of hope. Um, There is no bigger fan of Jesus than his uh, cousin, John. just six months older than him, right? Um, In fact, uh, there's an Advent story of uh, John's mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother meeting each other while they were both pregnant and them having like this connection with each other that uh, John jumped in the womb when Jesus in the, in the womb came around. So there's a connection between them. Uh, John was uh, Jesus' first promoter when Jesus starts his uh, ministry, and he's in his early 30s. Uh, John identifies him to the disciples that were following uh, himself. So John had his own disciples. He sees Jesus coming and he says, look, There is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's a big fan of of Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 11, John is apparently having a bit of a crisis of hope. We read this. This is Matthew 11, uh, verse 2. When John, who was now in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now we don't really know what John's expectations were, but you could imagine that uh, it didn't include being in prison. I mean, he, John, there was nobody bigger in his culture at the time than John. John, he planted himself out in the desert and people would travel out to see him. He was a big deal, all right? And so, you know, he was always talking about the Messiah to come, and he was, he was uh, adamantly pointing to not himself, but to others. So he had the right mentality about things, which I would imagine might, might boost his expectation that he wouldn't end up having, like, a terrible thing to happen to him. But now here he is in prison, probably wondering what's going on, certainly. And so he sends a message to Jesus. Are you the one who was sent? This is the same guy who, again, introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin for the world, which is a big deal. Basically, he's saying, you're the Messiah. But now, having second thoughts, hope squashed as he's sitting in his cell wondering, what is going on? Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus is unperturbed by this. Jesus is not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of our doubt. He's not afraid when, when we, we were a little shaky on things, even things about him. Jesus replied to, the, to the, those who were there, the disciples of John, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus references the prophets of old, including uh, Isaiah here. Go tell John, you remember what Isaiah said? The the lame are going to walk. The the deaf are going to hear. The blind are going to see. I am at work. Now, one would imagine that when John was reading Jeremiah, John was thinking globally, like the first advent was going to be a global event. And Jesus is like, uh, no, first time, it's going to be regional. Jesus healed the blind and those who couldn't walk and those who couldn't see, but he, he did it in a very small part of the world. He didn't go all over and heal everybody. It was in a small part of the world. And so Jesus is like, listen, The the prophecy about the Messiah, it's being fulfilled, but not everywhere yet. This is just the beginning. So go back and tell John things are happening. Not everything is happening yet, but things are happening. So Jesus, wanting to encourage hope by pointing to the small things. I mean, healing someone who is ill is a big thing, but it's not global. So he's pointing out that things are happening it's just not as big as you thought yet. Go back and tell uh, John this. And it, it's in this message of hope that Jesus is giving to John that I think that we can find hope too. So when we look globally at the world, and we are more connected now with the world than we've ever been in human history. right? We know what is happening in obscure places in the world almost instantaneously. It pops up on my watch or my phone, and I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even know what was going on, and now I know, because we can know now. And so we're much more aware of what's going on in the world. Uh, but Jesus is telling John, listen, things are happening, and they may be at a small scale now, and the same is true now. You know, the world is a messed up place and terrible things are happening, but there is good happening in the world. There are people who are being transformed and, 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 and uh, changed here now today. And so Jesus invites us to don't give up hope, but look for the small things that are positively happening because God is at work In the world, the incremental fulfillment of the promise. Yes, there's going to be a time when all things are made right. We're not there yet, but before we give up hope, look for that which is happening in your life. Look, I I would imagine, let's say all your promises are not being fulfilled today. You you haven't been able to keep up with your own expectations, and even the expectations you have for God have not been fulfilled yet. I would imagine, if you do a little self inventory, you're going to find some place where God has been active in your experience today. And so this is the message of Jesus John. Hey, things are happening. It's not happening exactly as you intended or expected. That's okay, a global transformation is coming, but look for the little areas that things are happening. Uh, The Apostle Paul talks about this idea of hope and transformation as well. All right, so now he is, uh, Isaiah was writing before the first Sabbath, before Jesus came, the apostle Paul is coming afterwards. And he also uh, gives counsel to this idea of what happens. How do we deal with our hopes being squashed? How do we not allow that to overcome us and for us to still be people of hope? This is Romans chapter 15, verse 4. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So now Paul is, again, kind of referencing of people like Isaiah. Isaiah 35, for example. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. All right, so the issue is hope. How do we maintain hope? But Paul's like, you got to go back and you got to look at those promises of Isaiah. you gotta, you got to be engaged with the, the Bible and see what those things tell us and teach us about hope today. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Now when you hear endurance taught in the scriptures, there's only one thing that, that, that comes to mind at least first and foremost, and that is the endurance that happened when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he asked if the cup could be passed from him, but then acquiesced that it could not. And then the next day he was nailed to a tree, and then he slept in the grave for a, a day on the Sabbath, and then he rose again on, on a Sunday morning, the first day of the week. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the endurance that gives us hope. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, when you look to that, when you look to what Jesus has done, This is designed, even when you're experiencing things that seem like they're hopeless, to give us hope. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, the endurance of Jesus, we might have encouragement, and that encouragement provides us with hope. How do we have hope in desperate times? How do we have hope when uh, our expectations are not coming to fruition either about god or about ourselves or and, and things just don't seem right how do we have hope when the world seems like it's in despair and seems like it's falling apart apostle paul's like you got to look to jesus in his life in his death in his resurrection we can experience true hope that despite the worst thing happening to you to you God can make good things out of that. So in this Advent season, in this time when many are feeling despair and distress and not feeling hope, we're not going to conjure up hope ourselves by singing uh, Christmas songs, which is fun, Uh, but that's not going to help us to overcome the despair that's all around us. Our only hope is rooted in the great hope And the sacrifice and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. So Paul ends this portion of Romans by saying this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. And the lesson here is that it is God who gives endurance and encouragement. It is God who gives us hope you're not going to conjure up hope on your own. And so in this Advent season, the season of hope, if you think you're going to be able to conjure up hope on your own, it's not going to happen. But as we confess faith in the Lord Jesus and his work, as we look back at what he's done, God is able to give us encouragement and endurance and spur hope out of nothing so that we can live with anticipation and expectation that God can do what he promises, and that he will fulfill it, even if right now things seem dark and despairing. So, may you, during this Advent season, whatever place you're in, whoever you're with, whatever whatever uh, partner you have, or how much ever is in your bank account, or wherever you are in your career, may you experience hope that comes through the work of the Lord Jesus as he works in your experience today. May God do this in you today. Amen.